0: Welcome to episode one of crisps for dinner. I'm Brayden Goff.
1: I'm Karina Brown.
0: And we love each other. Crisps for dinner. It's a, uh, it's a hard one to say. And we were talking about how, how do you actually start, uh, the first episode of a podcast? I think it's, I don't know if I've ever, maybe there's one podcast I've listened to the first episode of, so it's, you don't really have a lot of examples um but i think it, it makes sense to start by introducing ourselves agreed i can start i'm braden i'm originally canadian although i've been living in copenhagen uh, the great city in denmark for over eight years now i'm uh i'm a big fan of denmark although i'm not quite a citizen yet i aspire to be i have my permanent residence but i'll do everything i can to co opt the danish culture whether that be eating flask sandwiches, pork sandwiches on a semi-regular basis, or I've always wanted to dye my hair bleach blonde. Um, I do have a fear that it will make my hair fall out um, because I do have thinning hair. But that's enough about me. Tell me about yourself, Karina Bra.
1: I love that we got into your your hair within the intro. Uh, Well, I think it's
0: important to be vulnerable and insecure. Okay, (laughs) let
1: me see how I can match up to that. Yeah. So I'm Karina. I am half English and half Danish. I spent most of my life living in the UK, a good chunk of that in the great city that is London. And then for the last three years I wanted to get back to my Danish roots and have been living in Copenhagen. And um, I think I'm in the lucky position where, because my mum is Danish, I also have already Danish citizenship, which I do not take for granted given the pursuit of that for you, Brayden. But um, yeah, I have loved living here the last three years. And that's, of course, where we met.
0: We met in Copenhagen. Nice. We have we lived together under the same roof.
1: For multiple years.
0: Multiple years. It's been a fabulous couple of years. And, you know, during our relationship, one of the things that we do, is, as most couples do, is we've watched the show on Netflix, uh, Marie Kondo and i thought it might be fun as a way to you know not only get to know each other on a different level uh, even though we know each other extremely well um but also share a bit more about ourselves and i think it's interesting that we all use marie's name as a verb like if i've marie condoed something what have i done
1: you've tidied your home space in a very particular way,
0: I've I've folded my T-shirts in a very very specific way. They're folded three times, and they're layered in such a way that I can see which shirt is which.
1: Let's not narrow down Marie Kondo. She also does, you know, cutlery drawers, but she, yeah, she's she famous for the clothes. Also cl-
0: does cutlery drawers. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: clothes folding.
0: So if 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 Karina Brown was a verb, what would it be?
1: Um, I think to have Karina Browned. Sounds, <laughs> sounds somewhat dubious, but I think it might be to have planned a holiday excessively in advance. I think I have a habit of planning multiple months and years into the future um, and getting quite excited about those plans. And I've become aware in my adult life that that isn't somewhat something that everyone does. Yeah. And therefore, I think doing a Karina Brown might be that.
0: Yeah, so you walk into a room, you're like, "Oh man, I've browned." And you think everyone immediately is going to think, "Oh, I've booked a vacation for 2025 already."
1: I think there are some other connotations to "I've browned" that that <laughs> might come to mind first. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to coin that phrase, but I like yeah. the idea of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think um I've I've only recently been able to appreciate what it's like to to live uh, and take advantage of of having all this holiday that we have in Denmark um, because of you. I've never had a scenario where I've had to take more holiday than the 25 standard days, usually end the year with holiday. So wow. I, think, I think you're spot on with that, where I do genuinely, we do genuinely have plans for 2025, and I find it jarring.
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What about you? What would your verb be?
0: So I have the unfortunate pleasure that when I was in high school, my last name did become a verb
1: wow
0: yeah um it was gothing out (laughs) what does that mean uh at parties i would get so drunk and uh smoke so much weed that i would pass out everywhere and i would pass out mid-conversation at parties i did that on multiple occasions um or be sick and pass out it was it was almost guaranteed that i would just Conk out so it it became golfing out and people there's there's so many embarrassing pictures of people stacking chips or crisps on the top of my head or there was one time which i i mean there's endless stories but the the one that always comes to mind is we were at this party once in high school where it was at the top of quite a big hill And I passed out, my friends had to, for some reason, the ride that was picking us up wouldn't drive up the hill. We had to meet them at the bottom of the hill. And my friends had dragged me down the hill. So my shoes were just completely mangled and destroyed. And when I went, I remember waking up in the morning, not really remembering how I got home. And I went to go pick up my backpack and it was full of stones. And they just, I just think it's such a simple way to mess with someone. It's just they got to the bottom of the hill and they just opened up my backpack and just started filling it with stones before we got in the car. Uh, I definitely deserved and I've had a lot worse than that, um, which I won't speak about. But um,
1: I love that goffing out is an actual thing. Yeah. And what an honor that you've been, you've received that. And it's quite ironic in that you now don't goff out at all since you are almost teetotal.
0: Yeah, um, I do not partake in any substance that could be considered remotely fun. Um, which is not true. I'll have the odd glass of alcohol on occasion. Now, I I come here today. We've introduced ourselves. Um, when you say come
1: here, we're, we're saying...
0: I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I have arrived at this destination uh, here today. We've got some things to discuss. <laughs> I think that's one thing we enjoy most, uh, is uh, one, just uh, hanging out and doing nothing, but also just talking about everything under the sun. Yeah. And today I want to talk about something that's important to both of us. Uh, I will note that it is uh, the end of October or early November time. So I am just a bit too soon. But I would like to talk about Christmas in Denmark. Great. Great. And the reason I'd like to talk about Christmas in Denmark is because we've uh, in a week's time, we will be having like an early, early Christmas dinner with a couple of friends of ours. Um, I love Christmas in Denmark. I love it. I love the food. I love all of the, the hygge, which is the, you know, the classic Danish word, um, which... Coziness. You, coziness, which everyone, most people are aware of. I love the... the, I love resellement. I love the... Mainly the food. Um, what, as a Brit growing up in the UK, but having Danish roots, how does that manifest?
1: Yeah. For as long as I can remember I've had Danish Christmas and English Christmas so I was super lucky because I had all the best bits of the Danish Christmas and I can talk a bit about what that was like as a kid but then we also had the English version so I feel like Christmas has always been my favourite time of year because I get the best of both and what was great about Danish Christmas as a child was and I assume that this is something that all Danish children do, but I actually don't know. It's um, It could just be something our family did <laughs> every day in December. You'd hang your stocking up at the beginning of December and you would have a tiny little gift every day. And it would be something really small like a pencil or like a, I don't know, some kind of chocolate thing. It'd be something quite small, but I remember going into school in the UK and everyone would be like, what'd you get today? Because of course in the UK you don't get this kind of daily gift. And so I got, we got the best of that. And then on the 24th, we would do the full Danish Christmas, whether we were in Denmark or the UK. And so with all the food and all the trimmings and the singing around the tree and all of the the things that sound so crazy to people that aren't from Denmark.
0: Now, what you're describing there sounds like an advent calendar.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. It was just a little gift that was in your stocking.
0: Yeah. Every morning. And and you don't do that in the UK?
1: No. So in the UK, how it works is you hang your stocking sort of shortly before Christmas. And then on Christmas morning, so the 25th of December, people will wake up typically and have a stocking full of presents. Yes. Lots of these smaller gifts. And then yes. there'll be most of my friends that do this, as I understand it, then one of the first things they do together as a family on the 25th is to open that together. And that we never did that. We got these kind of daily little gifts instead what about in Canada so in Canada
0: in Canada we had advent calendars so some I remember growing up and some kids would have like a little present every day there'd be like maybe I don't know if they were really posh then maybe they'd have like a little knitted thing with little baskets and they'd pull a little gift out every day but it's not like a someone's putting something in your stock and the gifts are already there and you just open today's gift right gotcha um and the It's really common, which I thought it was also common here, to have a chocolate advent calendar where you get a piece of chocolate every day. Do you do that in the UK?
1: Yeah, that's pretty common.
0: Okay. My mom's, for some reason, she insists on getting me a cheap chocolate advent calendar every year. (laughs) with like the worst milk chocolate. Like she'll just pick it up at the grocery store. Even, I, I haven't lived there for eight years. I still get a chocolate advent calendar.
1: But where, who, who eats the chocolate then?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. It is, yeah. And Christmas itself is something a bit special. And I think one thing that is different here, which also sounds to be the case in the UK, is in Canada, it's on the 25th. In the UK, it's on the 25th. Yeah. And then here, of course, it's on the 24th. Yeah. Now that threw me a little bit. And I was, I was fortunate enough when, that when I first moved to Denmark, uh, my first year here, I moved here as an exchange student And I didn't want to go home after the first semester and go back for Christmas because I wanted to stay immersed. I also didn't have the money to fly back, quite honestly. Uh So I ended up stumbling across a program by the Red Cross where I got to sign up and spend Christmas with a random Danish family. And I got lucky. I got matched up with a really nice family in Felix in Copenhagen. And they took me... I, I Basically, I just had to knock on their door. I just showed up on the 24th. Knocked on their door and they opened it up and let me in. Wow. And it turned out it was one of the, like, by far one of the best Christmases I'd ever had because it was so special. It was just everything was new. And there was the language barrier was there because it was it was myself. It was uh, a mother and her son and then her mother and her mother's partner. Yeah. And it was just us. And they would even got me like one or two small presents, like just that small stuff, like a toothbrush to or something like that. Yeah. But it was like a proper dinner with the duck and the the uh Brune the brown candied potatoes and um dancing around the tree and uh Risa on the mom, all this stuff uh, I want to talk a little bit more about because I love every different element of it. And it was it was so special. She even invited me back the next day to have like the the afters the like the second helping of Christmas dinner. Yeah. Um, so I've always been very lucky. Even the Christmas after I had a, a friend that invited me to their uh their place in Ulnza for Christmas. And um I went up to visit uh, another old friend uh who lived in Ketamina out in the boonies in Denmark. So I've I've been very fortunate that for many years I've actually got a proper Danish Christmas, which I know a lot of expats in Denmark don't always get to experience um right away yeah moving here.
1: And it's quite a special thing to experience, I think. Yeah,
0: regardless of what country you're in, um, yeah. I mean, at least countries that celebrate Christmas, it's always such a vulnerable, special time of year for most families.
1: Yeah, it's so nice that people open up their homes and yeah. invite people in. I think that's really amazing.
0: What is your favorite part about the Christmas dinner? You're a vegetarian. I think that's important to note.
1: It is important to note. I would say that I, my reasons for vegetarianism are primarily environmental. And what that means is, although i care i definitely do care about the animal welfare element um i do also on a on special occasions eat meat and christmas for me is one of those special occasions
0: you have acquired the nickname amongst our circle of friends as being the world's worst vegetarian
1: that was unfortunate because they caught me on a day when i was having a beef burger
0: and <laughs> i think they also caught you on a day where you're eating veal tartare that
1: <laughs> that's another story <laughs> So. And an unfortunate example of my sometimes lacking vegetarianism. But so
0: the world's worst vegetarian sometimes eats meat at Christmas. What are you going you know, for? So
1: our family always had the same thing, and it is duck breast with the two two different types of potatoes and the red cabbage, and then this amazing kind of gravy sauce. And I remember when we were very young, it would be my granddad who was the kind of head chef, which was strange because I don't think he cooked at any other time of the year. Or I don't remember him cooking any of the time any other time of the year. And then now my my mum is typically kind of head chef and I desperately try and sue chef alongside, but as you all know, I'm quite hopeless in the kitchen. And um so that that meal is like something special because it is just almost exactly the same every year, but it's also a meal that we don't have at any other time of the year. So it's just this one glorious day. What is your favorite part of the Christmas, the Danish Christmas meal?
0: I don't think it's the meal itself, like on the, the 24th. Um, I think I, I like so many different parts of it. Like I, I find it both fascinating and exciting, the The brown potatoes, the candy potatoes. Like that is insane to me, like caramelizing, literally putting sugar on potatoes. And I, I've actually only had it a handful of times that I had it the first Christmas I was here, the the Red Cross one. And I hadn't had it for several years after that. The food itself is like, you know, duck is great. I'm a big fan of the pickled red cabbage, but my favorite, favorite, favorite part about Christmas is actually the julefrokost. So the Christmas lunches that happen, you know, weeks before Christmas and weeks after Christmas, because that's where you get, in my opinion, the best of the best Danish food, which is the rye bread, the pickled herring, the um, fish filet fish with the remoulade, you get the the eggs and the shrimps and the and the little fish eggs, the roe on top. You get the greolacs, you get the oh, I could I could go on forever with it. And and even in, in those Christmas lunch, you get what is the quintessential Danish Christmas dessert, Risalamo. Mm. How do you feel about Rieselamon?
1: I absolutely love Rieselamon. And I've got to say all of the stuff that you listed just there in the Eula for us, not my cup of tea at all. I'm just not not interested in that at all. But the risalamang, which we have on the 24th and also you typically have at these uh, Christmas lunches, is glorious. Also something you don't have all year round, which I think is a missed opportunity. But
0: um... Well, let's talk more about that. What do you mean it's a missed opportunity?
1: <laughs> so, as you well know, I've been convinced for a while that there is a that there is an opportunity to share the joy that is risalamang with more people outside of denmark and outside of christmas it's like this creamy rice dessert with rice almonds yeah. yeah rice pudding with with almonds in and then you have you typically have this like warm cherry sauce that goes over it and it is just the absolute bomb and i've just always felt as someone who has experienced that but when i was living in the uk i just felt so sad that people hadn't had a chance to to try that and so i'm convinced that there is a commercial opportunity to uh, to sell little uh, individual pots of recelamong in other countries um braden i think you're less convinced of the opportunity but
0: i mean i th- starting a a food business is always going to be a challenge i mean getting i'm not aware of what licenses you need but there's all the i actually don't know what the i assume they've got some sort of food um association or
1: practicalities
0: Practicalities. these
1: things can be resolved
0: it just yeah there are things that can be resolved but it is always a bit dicey and there's in denmark um getting I've always imagined it to be so difficult to get a new food brand onto the. Sh- I guess, I guess your point is, is you don't want to sell it in Denmark at all.
1: No, I think no. my hypothesis is that Danes, Danes love tradition. It's yeah. one of the most wonderful thing about Denmark and, and Danish people. I do think that that would be prohibitive in terms of the yeah. sell outside of Christmas, because it's something that is so closely tied to the tradition of Christmas. So my theory is that there isn't a great opportunity for it in Denmark. However, I do think that it is something that could uh, could fly outside of Denmark. Do I know anything about starting a food business in the UK? No. Do I know anything about creating a great resell among recipe? Also, no. So there are some hurdles here. But
0: so you've got a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah. Start a a, a re, the the resell brand. Yes. In in the UK is probably where you're going to yep. start. Where where do you begin?
1: So here's what I'm thinking. I begin with asking you, as the kind of primary chef and culinary talent in our relationship, to come up with some sort of edible recipe. Right. You can beaver away on that.
0: Which Me I why. would. I would immediately just go to Google, take the top one. That's what we're going with. It's cream. It's rice. Boom. We're done. We've got an edible recipe.
1: So you're simplifying it. There's the vanilla. There's. The, you got to pour the love into the selamang. We will need to have a a briefing before you begin on this right. adventure. And then I would be looking at the sort of small independent stores where they sell, you know, you get a lot of new brands, food brands mm. coming up in the UK. And mm. so I don't know how you would start exactly, but I think getting into some of those independent places and I think the branding around it, you know, it's very fashionable at at the moment. The kind of the Hugo, the scandy, the... The Scandinavian chic, I think you could do a bunch of marketing and kind of leverage that kind of cozy, stylish brand, but in the form of a pudding. It's it's all clear in my head.
0: (laughs) The form of a pudding, pudding in the sense of, uh, see, we we often have a lot of uh, language barriers in our house. So do you mean pudding in the sense of it's a dessert or pudding in the sense that it is rice pudding?
1: Oh, great question. And it works on both fronts, but Mm. I meant pudding as in dessert. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, I think you've, you've done something interesting is, is, uh, our first Christmas together, you looked at me and you told me, Braden, you are, I'm onboarding you to our, our present platform, our, our gift, uh, distribution, our, our family gift registry. Um, so we use an app uh, called Wishy Box. And that is, it's really convenient. You you log on and you put, this is what I want for Christmas. And then someone else can claim it. It's just a simple online registry app for gifts. And it's great because now I can put in throughout the year. I don't think everyone does this. I do this so that I always get what I want. Um, and You just put things on there throughout the year. You can put the price and then people can choose it. And then you're guaranteed to have great Christmas presents. Exactly. Talk me through life before and after Wishybox.
1: Yeah, life before Wishy Box was a world where people would write down things that they might like on a piece of paper, and then we'd hit about mid-November, and you'd get frantic messages and phone calls from your family members, primarily my grandma and my mum, saying, what do you want for Christmas? And then everyone, it would just be this chaotic frenzy of people kind of trying to think of things that they would want, and then my mum's birthday is the day before Christmas, and what would inevitably happen is she would have told people, oh, you know what, I'd quite like some new running trainers. And then lo and behold, over the course of her birthday and Christmas, she'd get three pairs of running trainers. Because of course, no one's coordinated with each other to find out what's, who they're, what they're buying for her. So I just thought this was a colossal waste of time. And so I forced my entire family, including my grandma, who can barely turn on her iPhone, to use Wishybox. And it, the what's really neat about it, which I think is worth mentioning, is people can reserve the gift that they're going to get you, and as the gift receiver, you can't see that, but as the other gift giver, you can see it, and so you know not to double up. And so what it means is people just get presents they actually want. You have to spend ages trying to figure out what someone might actually use. So I'm a huge fan of it, but obviously maybe I would be because I forced it upon everyone. What do you think of it? Having been the newest addition to our wishy box system.
0: I think it's great. I think it's very practical. I think it's something I've gift giving. I I really, I really like getting gifts. Like it's nice buying things for people that they enjoy, but the stress and anxiety that comes with getting the right gift or getting something that you think you've spent enough money on, or you feel is, is what the person is actually going to use. And it's like, then you actually have to pay for it you're like, fuck, this is quite expensive. So there's there's always been, I mean, I'm not unique in the anxiety I feel around gift buying. So I love that. I I wish my family was using it. I always have a hard time trying to figure out what do I get my brother? What do I get my mom? What do I get them? And most years since I've been here is I just, I don't get anything for them and they don't get anything for me. I mean, my mom and dad will sometimes send me money or they usually do um, because they, they want to. But I, I think it was only within the past couple of years since we've been together where we've kind of had this, you know, it's not even an unspoken deal. I think it's literally a spoken deal where it's like, all right, you're going to get things for your parents and then I'm going to get things for my parents. And I was like, but I don't I don't buy things for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I, I you know, I remember last year we're trying to figure out like, what do we get my mom? And then you're like, well, what does she like to do? And I was like, well, she likes to, you know, snuggle up and watch tv and that sort of thing and you're like well why don't we buy her a blanket (laughs) and i was like i I guess that's a great idea i don't have any better idea and we went home we we went to canada this summer it was the first time you went to canada uh with me and you got to visit my family yeah and that was really nice but what did we see tucked under like the the cabinet not being used at all
1: the blanket
0: the blanket i think
1: it was had been delegated to the, the cats
0: it had been you know the cats had taken hold of it and that was the excuse is the cats will get fur on it so i'm not going to use it which is i mean fair i guess the cats get fur on everything
1: i think i one thing i will see that, say though is that i think even with the wish list system i really do think there is space for the more kind of ad hoc or what do you call it spontaneous thoughtful gifts so for example i i don't think you know if you've got a great idea for someone that you think oh they'd really love that then I don't. I like the idea of kind of tapping into that and buying gifts for people that maybe they haven't thought of and they hadn't haven't added to their wish list. And I think something that you're really good at is that you keep this kind of running list when of things that people say they've liked or that they would like throughout the course of the year. So I feel like you're always primed to get good gifts for people that maybe they wouldn't have thought of.
0: Well, it's mainly you. I've got the list of. I appreciate it's we it. the most time it. Um, but it is a bit, um, it's, it's mainly for my own sanity, um, to, to do that. But it is, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting tip. If you're, if you're the boyfriend of a girlfriend and you want to seem like a cool guy, create a list of gifts that they might want one day, because then there's things that you don't even know you want. And I know you want them because there's more, there's more than just Christmas, uh, where you need to buy gifts like birthdays and I wouldn't say anniversaries because ours lands on my birthday, so we just get to write that one off. Yeah, which is very
1: nice. true. True. I need to be careful what I say that I like around you, though, in case it gets noted down.